Welcome back to episode 15 of Performax Science Radio. This week, I am joined by newly accredited exercise physiologist, as well as Performax-sponsored athlete, Jared Greentree, and his partner in crime, Performax dietitian, Nicola Pierce. Outside of work and study, Jared and Nicola both compete in triathlon and Ironman. So fresh off the Noosa triathlon, Jared and Nicola share how they train and prepare both inside the gym and nutritionally inside the kitchen. Nicola also answers all of your nutrition questions where we cover all things, including what are macronutrients and why are they important? How to buy the right protein powder for you? Dairy milk versus oat and almond milk, which is better and why? Gluten, is it bad for me? Intermittent fasting, the pros and cons, the carnivore diet, does it have merit or is it just another fad diet trend? Which supplements should I be taking and which supplements are overhyped? Iron-rich foods for non-red meat eaters, um, white rice versus brown rice versus black rice, which is best and why, and honestly, much more. This was one of my favorite uh, podcasts to date and it is information-packed. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode as much as I did. And welcome back to another episode of Performax Science Radio. Today, I am joined by Performax's dietitian, Nicola. Nicola, how are you? Hello, I'm fantastic, thank you. How are you? I am well, and we are also joined by the former Performax mentee turned Performax-sponsored athlete <laughs> turned now Performax's exercise physiology, Jared, a.k.a. the Frog Green Tree. There How go. the bloody hell are you people? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. We come in after I did a session with Nick this morning and did my athlete thing. And now we, then we went and did a bit of a recovery room as well. So I know you like to give shout outs on the podcast. Yeah, so mate. We, um, shout more, out to the recovery room. More, <laughs> shout, more shout outs to Bella if you want Mitch to. Mitch there um, took us through all the good stuff and we did some boots and then we did the saunas and then. I'm still the, shivering from the yeah, cold. Nicholas, I'm like literally you, shivering. You see the goosebumps on her legs. They're like <laughs> so, Wait, so cold. you did the hot and cold plunges there? Yeah, yeah. I did two minutes in each. Oh, how did, what do you do forth. better at the hot or the cold? Oh, hot. Yeah. I'm terrible at cold. <laughs> it's like all women when they get in the shower, it's always way too hot. Yes, it's like scalding. That's mm. how we like it. No, no I do the, um, the cold shower. Yeah, at the at the end of the shower as well. I love it. I reckon it just wakes well, me up. Well, you do hot, hot, cold in the shower. Well, you start or... off with a normal shower, and then like the last like minute of the shower, just turn off the hot. It's just full cold. I mean, in fairness, it's summer at the moment over here, so yeah, it's doing not... it cold at the end probably <laughs> the best thing. To do it in winter. Yeah, when, you're <laughs> yeah. when you're in winter, it's it's no longer a minute. It's maybe yeah. like ten yeah. seconds. But I don't know. I feel like it just wakes me up, and then every single time I don't want to do it, and then I'm just like. Do it, you pussy. <laughs> Flip there's, it all on. There's some evidence behind that as well, that like the cold showers. Yes, that's I'm very I'm that evidence guy. So it's, yeah, <laughs> I read that's, that's just somewhere. what Matt's uncle told him though. Like. <laughs> no, I've heard that's it as well. well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not my uncle, mate. <laughs> <laughs> told me other things. Um, anyway, yeah. So just did a training session with Nick as well. How how's that been going? Yeah, it's good. Um, sort of. So I've just come off placement, obviously finishing the last one um, for X Fizz. Um, so I missed a few weeks here and there because of that and then just getting back into it. But we had, um, Nicola and I both do try obviously and we had Noosa try on the weekend and so finishing that sort of goes into the next block of training. So we've got about 12 weeks now out from the next big race, which is going to be in February down in Tassie, Ironman 70.3. Um, so it was just sort of like we both, Nick and I just sort of set forward a little plan for next 12 weeks going in our accumulation strength and then working towards power into that race time so it was good it was good changing up things a little bit it feels like life's moving really really quickly like right now with like everything that's going starting on off, well, mate, racing's changing. first and foremost congrats just Thank finished, you very much. Just finished uni Thank and you. got a job straight away as well, straight oh, out of the thing. Must so impress straight, someone. <laughs> yeah, must impress someone somewhere. <laughs> straight into it. And Noosa Tri last week as well. Mm. So mm. you guys do triathlon and Ironman stuff? Well, so Ironman is a part of triathlon. Like there, there's Ironman that they do on the beach, like the yeah. Nutrigain stuff. And then there's Ironman, which is like the Hawaiian triathlon. triathlon, all that sort of stuff where they do the longer 
than your normal like Olympic distance stuff. So gotcha. Yeah. So it's still the same three legs. Yeah, it's still the same. Some bike so, run. so yeah. um, you know, swim, bike, run. Mm-hmm. And how'd you guys all go last week? I heard um, that Nicola uh, uh, yeah. showed you up a little <laughs> bit on showed you up a little bit on the running leg. Yes, um, I am the best runner out of the two of us right now. I'm not gonna <laughs> <that> lie. Right? <laughs> no, I thought we both did super well. Yeah, the I power think. and the relationships shifted. Yeah, yeah. the triathlete, the triathlete yeah. power couple. Yeah. But it's just just Nicola, uh, Nicola. I always have to remind Nicola though. It's like it's three legs, right? It's not just about uh-huh. the run. Oh, uh, mate, she's got you in one. So what, she beat your time? No. No, not overall. No. no, no. no. Just I'd be the, just, so... If I've been in the been, run leg, though. Yeah, just on the, the run, run split, specifically. How much? Oh, less than, a, like, a minute, was it? Like, yeah, but every second of that hurts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's the second time... No, your second time... The third time I've done it. The past well, three yeah. races, I've mm. beat your run time. So yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's... Mate, yeah. Step it up, <laughs> I mean, well, we did a half the half marathon, Sunny Coast. <laughs> yeah. And we ran together. Well, I paced her for the whole <laughs> thing. <laughs> she was just tunneling, and, wind tunneling. And yeah. about, and about with 5K to go or something, the urges started <laughs> to happen in the, in the gastrointestinal system. Oh, God. And so I had to find the nearest port of Lewis quickly as possible. <laughs> So what happens there? You just like you just start running, and then all of a sudden you just start deviating off track. <laughs> well, there's portaloos along the course, but we were running together, and I was like, "I'm gonna have to go here." And so I sprinted off to try and find the portaloo, jumped in one as quickly as I could. I was like, "I'm gonna get this thing out of me as quickly as possible." Unloaded. Drop the dax. Probably some unheard of noises coming from there. But. Oh Mate, that's a f- the fourth leg of the trial. The fourth leg. <laughs> it's holding in your turns. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, then you were just chasing. While I was in there, Nicola obviously went past. And then I was running like four minute Ks or less to try and catch up to her. And I think I was still about t- two a minute off. off. Two minutes off. And yep. that, was the, that was the toilet stop. That was. And <laughs> since then, the run of bad luck has just... Continue. You like. say that, but you have not had gut issues the past two races, That's and I still beat you. That's true. That's true. <laughs> not an My excuse. nutrition's been very good, thanks to you. Mm. Oh <laughs> yes, up. I know. Kind of almost like compliment each other. So you guys both do both do triathlons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't meet doing a triathlon or something, did you? Nah. No, so you guys we got met into on a night out in Brizzy. <laughs> don't, even, don't get into that. <laughs> At the Pancake um. Manor. <laughs> Where all love stories um, yeah. start. No, I mean, <laughs> look, the, first, the first 10 minutes of this podcast is usually like people just carrying on about some weird yeah. stories. So go on. Don't want to, don't, don't to share that story but at all? Nothing exciting. We're just, it's not too exciting. Um, no. Just mutual friends. I was living with Jared's um, like sort of friend from school at the time. Mm-hmm. So he came down to visit her after he... Came back from being in America for a year uh, and we all went out in Brizzy to the valley, as you do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just hit it off. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> the rest go. is history. So, so beautiful. Yeah. Such um, a lovely so. story. <laughs> yeah. But no. It only took about eight vodka lime sodas, but you know, like we're there. We're there. Oh. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you need sometimes. It just helps loosen everything up. Oh, on my side, not for Nick. Oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, mate, whatever, whatever gets you there, right? <laughs> Um, so when did you, have you all guys always into triathletes and like Ironman stuff separately or kind of like together more so got into it? How did, how did it all start? Oh, it's a bit of a weird sort of story. Like, I, I mean, I grew up a swimmer and I did a lot of surf lifesaving racing and played rugby and a different, few different sports like that and things. But, um, I think after a few years of being, of us being together and after a few years of me being sort of like. Like we, we would go partying and we'd go to like all music gigs and then go party after and stuff like that. And I think uh, we both were like, oh, we need to do something like drastic to sort of like change our health and get, get everything back on track and get fit. Because like, you know, in this profession, you've got to practice what you preach, obviously. Yeah. And so like you can't be standing in front of someone at like 120 kegs and be sitting there like, oh, you need what, to do Depends your... what type of 120 yeah, kegs Yeah, well, no, well, this wasn't a good 120 kegs. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, we'd do, like, we'd go to the gym and we'd go for runs, yeah. but, like, there was nothing super structured about what mm, we were doing. Mm. And then I think during COVID, there was, like, one afternoon that I was procrastinating uni work and I was... I'd already signed up for News to Try yeah. um, and I was procrastinating uni work and came across the video... Uh, like the YouTube documentary that they made for the 2018 Ironman World Champs and 
end up watching that the whole thing through and I was like super inspired. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Kona and do all this. And <laughs> yeah. and then, um, yeah, I started try training pretty properly during probably 2019, 2020. And then you were running and you're like going to be a middle distance runner and then jumped on the bandwagon as well. Yeah, I came along to your first proper try was Noosa 2019 mm-hmm. and you'd asked me to sign up for that as well. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm doing a triathlon. Mm. I was like, I could run 10Ks, but there's, I could not swim 50 meters, like let mm. alone 1500. And I was like, I cannot ride a bike. So I was like, no, nah, that can be your thing. I'm just going to run. And then I came and watched you at Noosa 2019. And I was like, oh, okay, this it's, is pretty cool. Different. Like, mm. I reckon I could give this a go. So my first try was um, Mooloolabar 2020, just before COVID hit. Um, and then, yeah, since then, haven't really stopped training and... Mind you, came out of the swim at Malula Bar and was Traumatized. Like, that was the worst <laughs> thing ever. As she's running down the beach, kind of transition. It was terrible. <laughs> but now you're hooked. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't ride the, a bike either. Like, it was... we, we Couldn't spent, even ride a bike. We spent no. about six months trying to get Nicola on the bike with the cleats wow. and everything. And she's had a couple of falls and... We think I, she broke her hand, but we don't really know. But yeah, yeah no, I pushed I, her off on her first ride did. as well. He did. <laughs> I went over the handlebars because I freaked out and I just put my feet down, but I was going at pace. So I just like, it was not, no, but I hadn't ridden a bike since I was about like a kid, I suppose, like 12. And I guess some people probably keep riding into their teen years. I just mm. didn't. And so I like, I was wobbly as like, it was, it took a while to get back to like the skills mm. of, yeah, riding a bike. So it's been a long journey. Yeah. Yeah, so I just never just never learnt when you were younger. Or did you just forgot? Oh, I just forgot. Just they forgot. say you can't. They say I thought, I thought they say you forget. yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was baiting you up. There. I know. That's what they say. It's not true. Such a lie. You can Bastards. definitely forget how to ride a bike. <laughs> yeah, I remember being on camp once and there was someone who didn't really like forgotten how to ride a bike is what she was saying, and it was just a bit uncomfortable for her. But um anyways, yeah, actually I remember I actually did the Noosa triathlon when I was fourteen. Really? Years oh, old. I went into one of those little. Oh, I think I was fourteen. I might have been younger, but it was like one of those little kids ones. You know the ones. Oh, the super little, kids. Yeah, the swimmer kids. They ones. still do that at fourteen. Maybe I was a bit younger. I feel like I was young, but I just remember. <laughs> a um, late bloomer. We went down. Yeah, we <laughs> went down there and we kind of just did it um, with one of my mates for a bit of a lull. Yeah. And then when we got to like the because um, I did a lot of like swimming and stuff mm. uh, growing up and just running down the beach and stuff like that because his dad was really into swimming and running. So. But the bike leg, not at all. And I'm just like rock up with my freaking Huffy bike yeah. from Kmart. <laughs> Always on a Huffy. These, and then there's all these other start. kids. Yeah. And there's all these other kids just running around with like these proper road bikes. And I just remember, I'm like, I don't even think the seat could come up that high. And I'm just like pedaling, just using all my quad the whole time. And then I'm just seeing guys just zoom past me. And then I'm like trying to make it back up on the run. I was dead. So that was kind of like a scarred moment yeah. for me on the um, try up. Didn't inspire run. your try journey. It didn't inspire my try journey. Journey, and like um, you guys were falling off the bike a few times anyway. <laughs> Far out, I it's really killed. funny with those kids' tries though. Like you always see like there's all, always like kids on like the mountain bikes or like the ones with the big cruises. And they're <laughs> yeah, just, like, so cute. Like they got little tassels. They're just like, I love riding my bike. Dude. And then there's like kids who are like proper... I'm going to do triathlon. I'm going to be a triathlete with like a thousand dollar road bikes and their parents are standing on there like, no, you got to go faster. Yeah, I and know. It's, it's just this massive spectrum of kids and it's, yeah, yeah you oh, usually you got, fall on the other side. Like you got the these, but yeah, you got these people with like the, those streamlined helmets going yeah, past yeah, and yeah. going down with like a Kmart helmet, <laughs> maybe like, you know, butterflies or something. Old huffy bike with like the handlebars yeah. <laughs> up here. It was, I just remember being like, looking back, it's probably pretty funny, but at the time I just remember hating. I'm like, everyone's got these cool bikes. What the hell? <laughs> oh, nothing. Oh, well, gee whiz. So how long's the, um, Training for the Noosa Tri. Like, what is the, what is the training regimen look like for a triathlon? Um, I guess it depends. Like, I guess generally try to do at least about three training sessions of each discipline a week. Yeah. So, like, at least. So, generally, like, try to do three swims, three bikes, and about three runs. Plus, try to fit in some um, strength training as well where we can. Um, and possibly a few extra runs, like, runs off, off the bike and things like that. Mm. So... Yeah, Far out. generally yeah. a session or two a day. And in, in a week, you sort of get a mixture of sort of some lower intensity, longer stuff. So you have like your long ride where you might go and do some hills and get a bit of strength work done. And then you'll have a long run, which will be like a bit of a K's accumulation sort of phase yeah. or, or a workout. 
and and then you'll have like we have some higher intensity stuff as well but we sort of you can sort of periodize tri train the same way you periodize a strength program like you work in those different phases depending on when your race is and you'll sort of cycle up and then have a little bit of like a rest period and then go again and yeah um i think coming out of the try now we'll probably go back into like a bit of a strength block so it'll be a lot of longer lower tempo stuff on the bike and the run and then the swims will be a bit slower with some paddle and pull and yeah but along with that there's always that case accumulation where you can end up with a lot of injuries coming out of it like we both had our fair share of injuries and um just almost surviving a hamstring yeah. <laughs> uh, tendinopathy and Nicholas had a bit of shoulder issue with the mm, swimming, swimming stuff. So once we can get all that sort of under control and the strength in there as well is important to sort of keep everything going yeah, and flowing well, and not having a stop to your training where you got to stop and run and, or you got to stop biking for a few weeks and then you just end up backwards for that long. Yeah. Definitely be an interesting one to program for, but I, like, as you said, like, strength training i think we were talking about this last week because we were talking about um kind of like long distance runners mm. or like marathon runners and stuff like after you know no ned brockman yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah yeah just seeing him and we're just like oh we're gonna talk about that um <laughs> but yeah just like how would you go about like um your strength training for that and it's very much like it's an endurance based sport so and i think a big misconception is what happens is they think oh i gotta train endurance stuff but it's like i'm training endurance stuff so much in my disciplines Mm. whether it's like biking swimming or running Mm -hmm. that you actually kind of want to do the opposite when you're in the weight room Mm. so you want to be doing all the stuff to build up your strength to make your body as resilient as possible while you're doing that so um before i guess you're working with kind of like uh nick in a way what was kind of like your strength routine or your gym routine before that um a lot of it was really sort of trying to prevent injury like yeah. it was it was a lot of like i would do a lot of that high endurance sort of work but a bit of strength stuff as well um i would i really wasn't very structured with it like it was sort of if just i went sporadic. to the gym i'd make up a workout mm. just from what we'd excuse me done at uni um or you know like something that i'd seen someone do at the gym or whatever and then i'd put a few workouts together maybe do a superset here and there but it was a lot more like I'd do a key lift and then do another key lift and then maybe do a couple of accessory things and then a little bit of ISO at the end. And like, it wasn't probably as specific to triathlon as I thought it was. Whereas like the work I'm doing with Nick now, like it, and like probably as well going through the end of uni, I've had a lot more experience with it all. Yeah. And 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 when I was on placement with you guys, like the, the, the learning changed a lot more, but it was, it was sort of specific, but it probably wasn't specific to a degree that I was going to get any benefit from it. Yeah. Like it was sort of, it, it wasn't training for a purpose. It was just training for the sake of getting in the gym. Cause you know, you've got to do the strength program to complement your, um, your other sort of loading program as well. Yeah, exactly. Try. And it's, um, with that kind of stuff, like it's, it's not, similar to kind of like team sport settings where it's like we have a off season and an in season type thing it's like you guys are pretty much in season the whole way around depending yeah. on how many comps so it's kind of like how am i preparing for that comp so really you need to be doing all kind of disciplines all the time realistically like you can't if, if you're just training you know strength or and you need to be training strength and power kind of throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. there's no real kind of build up i mean at the start obviously when you're trying to build someone up mm. but yeah, so it's one of those things where you've got to be on top of it. And it probably takes up a huge amount of time in your week as well. And you're trying to balance work, trying to balance, you know, social life and stuff as well. I can only imagine. What's a social life? I <laughs> don't haven't know. had one of those for a little yeah, while. Because you're saying you've got, you've got to try and do three of each leg um, yeah. three times a week. Plus, then you've probably got to get gym training in. Then you've got work. Then you've got everything else that life throws at you as well. So how do you mm. kind of manage to fit it all in just... I guess ideally we kind of just find ourselves in a bit of a routine where it's like you wake up, you train, you go to work, you work, you come home, you train, you get dinner, you go to bed. <laughs> like, it doesn't always work out that way. But um, I don't know, I guess we just like, we help each other out a lot. Like if one of us has a session um, to do like a bit later at night, then the other one will cook dinner, like that kind of thing. Um, what do you think? We like to try and, I guess we like to try and do sessions together as well. Yeah. So it's sort of, 
in, in, on the one hand, it's keeping each other accountable, but on the other hand, it's like spending some time together as well, <laughs> which I don't know, <laughs> to some people I might think like, oh, going for a run or doing a bike ride together. They're like, oh, that sounds like torture. But like, it's, Mate, I get it. it's, it's <laughs> nice when you've got someone who's sort of in the same mindset as you, that you both want to make like massive improvements in your training to like sort of push each other along a little bit and like i know i definitely like if i have a hard workout and i'm like screaming at myself on the bike nicholas they're like oh you're doing well like, <laughs> like <laughs> for me. i feel I, I do i do definitely lift from that a lot it's like same thing when we do like noosa trial or something like you race better because the crowds are better like there's yeah. more people around oh, like there's... yelling out your name like go on get up there you know, there's 100 percent something to that because i've only recently started doing like a bit of a group gym down in oh, yeah, about where this. my um where my girlfriend lives and i've been doing training with her and mm -hmm. i'm loving it because i i've got to push it because you know a, I train here so she thinks that oh well he must know what he's talking about so i feel like i've got to push even harder yeah. and then on some level i'm probably trying to impress press her as well yeah. <laughs> so, which gives me extra motivation bit, bit extra testosterone flow yeah and then i and then i got everyone else around there so i'm like yeah you just you feel like you push a little bit better mm. and i probably personally just been neglecting a little bit of kind of like that you know big high intensity cardio type mm -hmm. stuff just doing a lot of more weight-based training but i'm honestly like i'm really liking it because it's just something different i can really go in there i don't really have to think mm -hmm. just put it in the hands of these other guys and um, then I'm good to go. Got to get a cough button for you. No sneeze. What are you doing? These westerly, this westerly winds are like yeah. they're blowing around some pollen. Hey, I'm just not having it. So if I sound started, a bit nasally. Sorry to all the listeners. Like, no, fine, mate. You sound absolutely beautiful. The docile, the docile tones. Docile tones. <laughs> oh, beautiful. And then looking probably on the other side of things, then as well, which is probably plays into your handbook, Nicola. Mm -hmm. How important a part does uh, your nutrition play in your preparation for these triathlon events? Uh, very important part. It's pretty pretty crucial. I think anyone who's done any kind of long distance event knows how important nutrition is. Um, I think, yeah, I guess like it's, it's important for the race day itself. Absolutely. Like getting your fueling right. Your big carb loading days. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite day. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's going to be great. And then on the day you're like, Oh, yeah, this is so hard. Oh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, general, uh, if you're doing anything, any kind of long, you know, anything, I guess like Olympic distance triathlon, which is generally two hours or more, you really need to be fueling like during the race. So that's important. But then also, yep, your, your nutrition before the race is important as well. And then, um, you know, fueling your sessions, like nutrition is so important for fueling your sessions, making sure you're getting the most out of your performance, but then also recovering in between, especially if, um, you know, when we're training twice a day, often our training sessions will be less than eight hours apart. So you really need to be, you know, getting your recovery right through your nutrition so that you're ready to go again eight hours later. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's something that probably doesn't get spoken about enough. I think everyone kind of knows probably now that, you know, some type of training is um, important to play its part and kind of like conditioning the body. But then, you know, people kind of think they can, I guess, handle their own nutrition or they kind of know what they're doing. Um, and it's just, I think it's the last thing that people um go to get help with mm. in a way how important actually does banana bread play i should actually mention that too now that we've got it here. shout out to banana bread <laughs> shout out to the banana bread um you guys have brought me over a um a massive thing of banana bread so the people that will be going by tomorrow <laughs> yeah, it, might, it might do so i live with um my mate and his sister and they're like really big um cooks like really into cooking and i'm uh -huh. like so on the other hand i'm just like i'll just eat i'll eat the shit you know <laughs> just fuel, fuel me up i'll eat the right stuff like i'm getting as much colors as i can vegetable wise and fruit wise and you know meats and all macros and all that type of stuff but um yeah i just eat the shit where these guys are like you know getting sold and really getting all the seasonings out there whipping things up you know getting fancy. Seasonings. <laughs> <laughs> plain chicken breast <laughs> well, a, little bit, a little bit of something in there but i'm just more along the lines and i'll just eat the same thing on repeat mm. which probably isn't the worst thing but um yeah, thanks for bringing over the banana bread. <laughs> Man, the second you guys are out of here, I'm jumping into that straight away. Um, well, that was actually that was for Nicola's. Um, so I don't. Yes. I don't know, I'm probably not the right yep, person no. to plug it, but the new dietetics program 
was um, launched a few weeks ago, and that was the webinar last night. Was bit of a cooking demo. Cooking demo. Made some That's healthy, awesome. healthy yeah. bee bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We always know, benefit so if... well from a cooking demo. Cause so it's, uh, I've been encouraging that one along. Nice. Yeah, and far out. We should, <laughs> plug, we should plug that a little bit more, mm. I reckon. We've got like Instagram page or something that we can, we'll put it all up mm-hmm. in the description and whatnot. And we'll just, mm. I don't know, whenever there's some like nice hot tips that are coming through. Speaking yeah. of actually, um, People have been looking forward to this podcast because I've been going around telling them that we've got a dietitian on. So mm-hmm. people are going, oh shit, I've got all these questions that I want to ask. So I've been going around um, everywhere around the gym and asking some others, uh, other listeners and whatnot. And they probably want to know some questions about, I guess, dietetics in general and just some other things that they've either heard online that they want, I guess, clarified. So for everyone's listening now um this is going to be a, hopefully an insightful area and i'm probably gonna be prodding your brain a little bit too as well yeah. um <laughs> or oh, actually while you're here actually what are your thoughts on um jack at the moment how's he going with his new which one jack lang jack lang, <laughs> <laughs> well, jack lang and jack got whispers and lang in there <laughs> he actually asked me to ask you how do you go about offsetting beers in your, uh, in your training program <laughs> I just, I just, I just don't. <laughs> I just say try not to. <laughs> no, um, Jack Lang's been going very well. He's like my star client. He just comes and he just says, yep, I'm just doing what you told me. I'm just eating everything on the plan. And I'm like, great. <laughs> so, yeah, he's going super well. Jack Whisker's going great too. He, um, Other than his little early, early yeah, little yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not sure how that went. Blowout this week, I, I hear. And Mate, Jack has a blow. Both of them, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Lang is blowout every bloody weekend. He was at the races, and um, he's actually he's actually just got a new girlfriend. Should announce that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to announce just that. Just for everyone who would like to know, um, Mate, it was crazy. Jack Lang is off the market. Apparently. Yeah, he, Jack Lang is officially off the market as of I don't know the weekend since he. Published- what, what's it called? Is it escrow when they have to wait? For for the market yeah. to sell. So. <laughs> yeah, he had to use PayPal. <laughs> um, yeah, well, on Thursday last week, he told me he didn't have a girlfriend. And on Saturday, he's um, publishing it in the Courier Mail. So he's Courier <laughs> Mail. He's not just Facebook <laughs> official. He's Courier Mail official. The, the Uninspired Employee did something like that. I don't know. Not as big as that. That's that's going extra. <laughs> <laughs> Who reads the Courier Mail anyway? Let's, let's Mate, well, just, he, <laughs> him and um, his now girlfriend um, got... Uh, papped or something when they were out there, they got a photo because they're in some little member section. But anyway, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll tell you about. It. He's been yeah. telling everyone all bloody week. <laughs> and well, he's gonna Jack... have to come on the pod now and fill everyone in. <laughs> and Jack Why Whis- is such a model? And Jack Whisker, he's just off to um, off to Early Beach or he's off somewhere every bloody weekend as well, where he's it's always some type of little bit of a piss up or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's the trouble with these like footy athletes. Uh, I know, mate. I just, know. Yeah. <laughs> all good during the week and then on the weekend it the just, recovery yeah. is, 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 is yeah. it's called yeah jack calls it offsetting 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 <laughs> goes like what is it live like a king throughout the week and that's how you can play like a beast on the, on the <laughs> <laughs> all right. oh, anyway God. back to the important part yes. yeah. so um just to clarify what probably is the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist yeah, good question. Um, Thank you. So <laughs> that one was mine. Some of the other Very ones well I'll try and tell you who gave them. Them, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so a dietitian is a sort of protected title. So um, we're sort of governed by Dietitians Australia. So you have to have like you know a certain qualification to be able to get that like um, you know what's called like registration with them. Yeah. Um, whereas a nutritionist isn't actually a, pro- a regulated title. So basically anyone who's done anything from like a full nutrition science degree to like maybe, you know, a six week course through TAFE can call themselves a nutritionist. So I guess that's one difference is that you can't really be too sure like the level of education that they're providing. Um, I guess another difference is that dietitians are educated in medical nutrition therapy. So we can provide nutrition strategies to help manage like, you know, complex um, you know, diseases and chronic diseases and things like that. Whereas nutritionists are more equipped to deal with, I guess, like the healthy population, like general health and well-being kind of stuff. And it's not to say that there can't be, you know, there's plenty of nutritionists out there that are really great, but I guess it's just um, harder to sort of navigate. Yeah. Oh, that's one of the best definitions I've ever heard. I actually, <laughs> I knew that to a degree, but I mean, that was, <laughs> that's way Thank more you. clear than I thought. Right. Right. So now that you are working with Performax as well, um, has a catalogue of clients um, at the moment. So 
anyone who is looking to work with Nicola in any way, shape or form, please reach out. Um, so, and leading to my next question then, when should someone seek assistance from a dietitian and what assistance would they be expecting if they were to work with you? Um, I guess like, to be honest, most people could probably benefit from seeing a dietitian. Um, and I guess the main thing would be if you're, I guess from one side of things, if your goals are really specific related to nutrition. So if you have any goals relating to like your body composition um, or anything like that, or if you're like an athlete, when I say athlete, you don't have to be an elite athlete. I consider anyone who plays, plays any kind of sport or is competing in any kind of event to be an athlete. So I think you could definitely benefit from Still some... My motto. <laughs> yeah i wonder where i got that from yeah. it's in my bio on the website uh, <laughs> that must be right i thought i made it up <laughs> sitting in your subconscious anyway yeah. Keep going, sorry. um <laughs> um yeah oh. no um yeah so like anyone who has any sort of yeah performance related goals absolutely um yeah and i guess the type of assistance it's really up to the individual like the type of assistance that we provide really depends on what you're after like um I guess in general, what we do for everyone is, you know, take a look at your food and, um, you know, obviously help to optimize that. But that could be some people really like like a super structured meal plan approach and they do really well with that. Whereas other people like something more flexible um, or, you know, some people just like strategies that they can sort of work on and tick off one at a time. So, um, you know, it really depends on the individual. Yeah, and I think the information that you can take away from even um, like what we always like, I always say a really good thing for coaches if they want to get involved is like, if you want to be a good coach, go train with a good coach, you know, because you're going to learn so much from doing that. And I think even when you came and did like that presentation um, down, I was like, all right, I'm learning so much just now. So oh. it's very much if you are, you know, looking for any type of a dietitian, it's it, it's skills that you can take with you forever as well. Mm. It's like once Absolutely. you learn them now and you start implementing them now, then you implement kind of like these new habits, these new systems. Mm -hmm. And it's just little things that you don't really think of that you might be doing that might be whatever your goal is. Like, you know, weight loss is a huge one as well. Like people, I know so, like so many people struggle with that, but then also, you know, in the performance realm, as you're saying before, you need to fuel your body adequately so you can play at the best. Mm. And a big thing for um, me is you want to, you want to feel your best. And I think nutrition plays such a big part in that and like giving me energy and stuff. Like I know if I have a big, heavy carb-based meal, which I think might be good for fueling me up, like I feel like I got all this like uh, brain fog for like the rest mm. of the day. So it's just these little um, things that can really help you. And you might be sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I'm doing, think I'm doing the best I can. And then you go and see someone who actually knows what they're talking about you make these maybe small changes, maybe big changes in your diet and you feel a lot better. And I mean, who wants to be walking around not feeling at their optimal best as well? Mm. So it's just little things like that, which I think are really, um, which are really helpful um, from going and seeing like a dietitian. Um, okay, now we've got some Q&As coming okay. up. So I've got <laughs> a few of them. So Jared, feel free to contribute whenever yep. you can. Yeah, I, know you, I know you need to take off. Probably yeah, like I'll go in a, in a couple well. minutes, but I'm learning too. So it's good. <laughs> yeah, we're all learning. <laughs> I was just going to add though as well, is that the, um, with, with like all the meal plans and everything, like it's not like you go on a meal plan, stay on a meal plan forever. Mm. Like those meal plans there and like probably going on from what you just said just then is that you want these sort of things to like teach you good ways to make these strategies yourself and then eventually you you might not even need it anymore and then you're mm -hmm. just you know eating like we eat at home even though sometimes we do go to the maccas you know like dietitians aren't all food police <laughs> um <laughs> but you know like <laughs> but no, she's no, looking no, at me with a, evil eyes no, right now like, cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> more of a that. nuggets girl I've myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah just protein it's, it's about protein. like knowing where your balance is and it's it's you need to like know you know Yes, I've I've had macas on the weekend because I just felt like it. But I'm eating really well for the rest of the week, and I'm probably gonna not have macas the weekend after. Like making those decisions in your may in your mind and just being like conscious of the food decisions you're making is probably like a massive mm. thing that Nicola's taught me at least. Because like 
I feel like since we've been dating, I've been seeing a dietitian. So, no, no, no. <laughs> five years now. <laughs> when she was in uni, it was worse too because you see them everywhere. But yeah. <laughs> I think um, something as well that I can definitely help with is if you're struggling, like with your relationship with food, kind of what mm. you were touching on, like finding that balance between, like a lot of people experience what we call all or nothing thinking. So, feeling like they're either on the bandwagon or they're not. Or even if you're, you know, struggling with anything like you know, obsessive calorie counting or anything like that. That's definitely something I can help there's, with too. Yeah, and there's also so much information out there and there's also so much misinformation probably mm. out there as well. And everyone's trying to promote kind of their diet that works best for them. But and the reality is like it's a big, and it's the thing we talk about, it's like that individualization factor as well. Like my diet's probably going to be different from Jared's because we might have different goals, mm. you know? And I think that's the big thing as well. If you've got like a mate who's telling you to do that, his goals might be different from yours. So exactly. the more you can kind of specify what you want to get out of it and individualize it the better but sure. i've got some good questions yeah. coming Alrighty. through which i think we might even get on to touch on some of those let's subjects go. as well so let's start off nice and easy all right <laughs> let's you. keep it keep it keep it simple so just to break down for people who might not know out there what are macros or macronutrients and mm -hmm. why are they important Okay, so macronutrients are, well, we've basically got three main macronutrients, sort of four. So those are basically protein, carbohydrates, and fats. And then the fourth one would be your alcohol, but that's not necessarily something we want to include. <laughs> is, that, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, if, you, if, you if you're listening, Jack Lang, he's just getting his, he's Yeah, he's really his, good with his fourth macro. He's just getting his macros in. He's getting battered today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he could argue his ears would be burning. When you said fourth, I was just like, he's lit up. I'm loving this already. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so basically, yeah, so protein, fats, and carbohydrates. So I guess they're all important for different things. Um, simply put, your protein forms the building blocks to your body structures so um including your muscles so obviously important for maintaining your muscle mass um your carbohydrates are our body's preferred fuel source so that's what gives us energy so we need to make sure we're getting in enough of that so we're well fueled especially if you're doing any exercise or sport um and then last we've got our fats so our fats are important for our cardiovascular health so keeping our heart nice and healthy um they're also involved in like hormone production so it's definitely important to have an amount of those as well Awesome. And where does alcohol fit into that? <laughs> That's, um, yeah, fun. <laughs> Those are your fun tokens. Yeah. You, know, you got to spend them every now and again. <laughs> They're good for the soul as um. Oh, Nath as says. Nath would say, yes. <laughs> All right. So touching on that then. They wouldn't what, call it Great Northern if it wasn't great. Oh, stop. Right. Yeah. So touching on that then, um, what would be maybe some simple guidelines that people could follow? Obviously, I know it's depending on their goals, it's either going to be more or less. Mm -hmm. um, but just a global average of what would be some simple kind of guidelines. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess like the the best advice that I could give when we're talking super simple generic advice would be aiming for around a quarter of your plate carbohydrates at meals, a quarter of your plate protein, half a plate of your colour, so your fruit and your vegetables, and then about a tablespoon or two of your fats as well at meals. And if you're doing that at most of your meals you're probably doing pretty well. I think a lot of people think that it's like a lot harder to get, especially like protein. People think that it's really, you need to be having heaps of protein all the time. You need to be having like five protein shakes a day. Um, it's actually a lot easier to reach those targets than we sort of think. Yeah. Um, that's and that's a dig at um, one of my clients, Bailey. I think the five protein, <laughs> the protein oh, He's doing day. really well. He's. I know. I'll be honest. I told him that at the start. I said, "Mate, well, you, you can't be going down that much protein." But he's just like, oh, I don't know. So I was like, "You got to go see. You got to go see Nicola." So Bailey, far out, mate. Five proteins a day. No wonder your buddy got no money. <laughs> um, well, speaking speaking of protein, then so that was really good. So just kind of. Go back over that. I think I forgot already some of them, no, but okay. I think that was really good um, way. So avoid kind of like breaking it up into maybe like grams and stuff that you should have per day. Or is that yeah. a bit more specific? Yeah, that's pretty specific. Like I wouldn't really recommend it. Like it really depends on your goals and what you're doing. Like um, it's hard to give a specific guideline. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally if you're having around, you know, probably 20 or 30 grams of protein at your meals and then trying yeah. to get in as well. Like your snacks are a really good opportunity to get in some extra protein there and you're doing pretty well with your carbohydrates really depends on what your, your activity levels and like whether, whether you're playing sport, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And I think protein's a big one as well, especially protein powders. Um, there's so much out there mm. as well. 
Uh, so how do we distinguish, like what, what should we be looking for in uh, our protein as well? Mm. And also what's the difference between, or oh, I know this one, but for everyone else out there, what's the difference between kind of like your whey and your non-whey proteins as well? Yeah, like um, your whey and your like casein. Casein, then you got obviously like your vegan based proteins. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like um, your whey is your more like quickly absorbed uh, protein, whereas your casein protein takes a little bit longer to be absorbed. So I guess that's good for like your whey is good to get in like straight after a session kind of thing, whereas your casein is good to have maybe like at night to help with that overnight recovery and um, stimulating like your, yeah. you know, your muscle growth. And whey meaning like dairy infused as well, hey? Yeah. So I guess the whey and the casein form like are the two components that come from milk. Yeah. So like you probably heard like eating your curds and whey, like nursery rhyme, like the whey is the liquid stuff. The curds is the casein. So that's, it coagulates in your gut. Um, and yeah, that's why it's a bit more slow to absorb. All right. Beautiful. And, um, cause obviously so many different proteins out there. How do you know which one's a going to be the best one for you and B, um, which one, what, what should we be looking for when we're buying protein? Mm, I would say anything that's going to be giving you like, you know, at least like a good 20 grams of protein per serve. Um, I would also say, you know, it's always good to aim for something that's got as minimal as ingredients as possible. Um, you know, like sometimes you pick one up and it's got this massive long ingredients list with yeah. all this stuff. Like it's probably, you know, keeping it simple is best. Um, and especially I think if you like, you know, some people, might have like a little bit of IBS going on or like, you know, sensitive guts. Um, having something that's got heaps of like sugar alcohols in it is possibly going to, you know, be not great for their gut, um, yeah. cause a bit of like distress there. So um, for those kinds of people, honestly, keeping it really simple, like an unflavored protein powder is probably the way to go. Yeah. And, and for I have athletes, you want to get something, is it batch tested? Is that right? Mm, yeah, yeah, good point. Definitely because yeah. they... Like you heard the stories of Shana Jack a few years back and like... If, Not uh, even slightly. Oh, really? Oh. She, she was taking... I think she was taking a multivitamin. I don't quote me on this, but... Um, and she got drug tested and she was only taking multivitamin and they found in that multivitamin there was performance enhancing sort of stuff. Oh, wow. And she got banned from the sport for something like two or three years mm. uh, from swimming. Just from like the protein that she was taking. Yeah. So like keeping keeping a good batch test of protein, like I'm pretty sure be it Body Science do a good batch test and there's a few other good ones around. And even like um, I've heard a lot of people say that if you are an athlete and you will be tested by water or Asada or something like that, keeping a little sample of everything you take mm -hmm is like the best way to avoid that from avoid it being an issue or make yeah. it look like you oh you were taking something that could be performance enhancing so they can just that's be, probably more athlete specific yeah, but if you're in a semi-professional mm, sport and at risk mm. of being tested but they can just be really easily contaminated um during the processing so it's not to say that it's got like drugs in it but if it's just got like a tiny little something that's come from the production line yeah. when it's been processed like it can just contaminate it so but um like i can work with athletes as well to double check you know the specific batch of each you know product um and you know make sure that it's been tested um to give them that peace of mind yeah mm. yeah far out that's there you go i didn't even think of that as well but yeah <laughs> I, and um yeah i did hear before when we check it looking for proteins like no more than really like five or six ingredients I think was mm. would be a good one or was that like a fair Yeah, I'd say assessment? that's a fair, yeah. If you've got, yeah, as you said before, if you've got something where it's just, you know, got the alphabet of ingredients mm. in there, um, maybe really maybe try to avoid that. And mm. another one that keeps coming up as well is it's always like, how much protein can I absorb mm. in one sitting? Because I've heard a lot of people where they're like, oh, yeah, I got 200 grams of protein, it's <laughs> 9 a.m. <laughs> and I'm good to go. So do you want to just give some clarification kind of around that? Yeah, absolutely. Before you answer, sorry yeah. guys, I'm going to just have to bail off. So thanks, Maddie. See you, mate. Well, pleasure Bye. coming on. Thanks for coming on. Enjoy. You're off to what, Snap Budroom or something now? Got a meeting, mate. The guy, he's, he's, he's busy, the frog. Yeah, meeting important people. Oh, and he's got the Brizzy Lion shorts on as well. Yeah, a bit of a flex there. Rep representing representing <laughs> the pride. I love it. <laughs> See you, mate. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely evidence to say that we can only really absorb a certain amount of protein at a time, whether that's, you know, roughly 30 or 40 grams. Um, so we definitely want to have that good distribution of protein across the day. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. There's no point just like, you know, getting 
maybe breakfast is a good one. A lot of people struggle to get enough protein in at their breakfast. So there's, there's no point having, you know, not enough protein at breakfast and then having like a massive steak and a protein shake and all this stuff at night at dinner, because you're not getting the same benefit as you would if you were just having like an even distribution of protein across all of your meals. Yeah. So, and as you're saying before, roughly around 30 to 30 grams of protein per meal and kind of distribute that throughout the day. Yeah, roughly. Um, but I guess like, it's not a hard and fast rule. Like I would say there's definitely other cases. If you've got a goal, like you're trying to increase your muscle mass um, and you're wanting to be in a calorie surplus to sort of allow that, you're you're probably going to have like maybe a larger serve of, you know, meat or whatever it is at your meals because even though you might not be getting any further anabolic benefit from that protein, like you're adding extra calories and it's helping to do that. So it's not to say that you can't go over it, but you're probably just not getting any further benefit from the protein specifically. Mm, so this is something that I personally struggled with when I was trying to get um, my all my protein in because I did for two years about intermittent fasting oh, yeah. and I'd kind of do try and get like about a 14 to 16 hour window mm-hmm. uh, of non-eating window every yeah. single every single day and I was like I'd get home and my first meal at like 1 p.m. would be just like everything I could eat mm-hmm. basically and then on two reasons so I, I was probably consuming like a hundred and something grams of protein within that sitting yep. and then later I ended up learning that oh I'm probably not absorbing like most of that exactly. and then on top of that I'd come over and I'd eat so much that I'd just kind of like crash because I'd be eating so much so I did that for like two years but Far in the morning out. I felt real energetic <laughs> but yeah once I like actually like started doing a little bit of research into the um, whole intermittent fasting uh, thing and obviously like absorbing protein and for my goals that I wanted at the time um, probably wasn't the most helpful thing as well. Um, So do you maybe just want to give, because I think intermittent fasting is definitely like a Mm. popular style for, uh, they say it's, you know, ketogenesis and all (laughs) that type of stuff. Do you just want to maybe want to give a little bit of clarification around like what is intermittent fasting and maybe what is keto? Yeah. Yep. So intermittent fasting is basically, there's lots of different ways that you can do fasting, but basically it comes down to like restricting your food intake. So whether that's fasting completely, um, for a certain amount of time. So there's like, say time restricted feeding, which is where you eat within, yeah, like you were saying a certain amount of hours in the day, and then you totally fast for like however many other hours you can also do a style where, you know, maybe one, a few days a week, you'll eat like a normal amount. And then several times a week you'll eat like maybe 500 calories or something. So there's a few different ways that you can do it. Is that more like a five and two type Yeah, thing? exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and look, there is definitely, it's like a really new area of research. So it's not something that we can really like there's know no for real sure. long-term data on it as yeah, well. Yeah, that's it. Um, but th- there's definitely some benefits that seem to be emerging, like things like in, uh, helps induce that autophagy, which is like um, renewing like our body's cells, which can help with cell aging, like pr- possibly preventing cancer, things like that. Uh, it's sort of too early to say, but it depends on your goals. Like if you're doing it, if you're doing it for like a weight loss reason, at the end of the day, the way that it really helps with weight loss is by reducing your overall energy intake or your calorie intake. Yeah. It's not so, some special, no. keto is not some special thing where it just like, you know, just strips weight off your body. It's like, you're just reducing the amount of calories that you're eating within that day. Cause you're giving yourself less time to eat. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's not really giving you any further benefit than just being in a calorie deficit. And I mean, if it works for you and you really like it and you're getting in everything that you need in that window, then like, you know, maybe it's okay. But if, if just eating normally and in a calorie deficit would work better for you, then it's probably a better way to go. Mm, awesome. Um, well, I hope that's cleared that one up on intermittent fasting. I just remember, yeah, I just remember for me when I was doing it, like I felt really good in the morning because I'd have like a black coffee and I'd just be, I feel like felt real energetic, but then I'd come <laughs> home the rest of the day. So it's like half the day I'm feeling good, half the day I'm feeling crap or I'd do something where I feel a bit yeah. more. And the goals that I wanted at the time where I was probably trying to put on a little bit of weight and stuff like that really were, <laughs> really I was not gonna really help. struggling with that. And, <laughs> but anyway, um, another one as well uh, that uh, someone asked is I think dairy milk um, gets a little bit of a bad rap it these does. days. So I think that's like a big, uh, big win for the vegans out there. <laughs> They've, um, sconed everyone against dairy milk. So dairy milk versus oat milk versus almond milk, which one is kind of, what's kind of going on there and why is everyone off dairy and stuff at the moment? Yes. Why do they want those oat and almond alternatives? <laughs> I love this question because I agree. I see so many people having these plant-based milks and I'm like, why are you so scared of dairy? Like, so yeah, no, I think, look, if you don't have any other 
anything else going on, like no sensitivities or anything like that, then dairy milk is going to be the best for you because, um, you know, milk itself, like it's, it's got so many different things. It's got protein. Um, it's a really good source of protein, especially at like, you know, breakfast or snacks where it might be harder to get protein in otherwise. Um, it's got like, you know, your fat soluble vitamins, like your vitamin D. Um, it's got the fats that come along with that to help you absorb the vitamin D. It's got calcium. So it's really important for like, you know, having a certain amount of dairy a day is really important for maintaining your bone mineral density um, and your bone health in the long term. So if you've got nothing else going on, like I would say cow's milk is probably the best option if you are following like some kind of plant-based diet and you you know prefer to have your plant-based milks totally fine um i would recommend like out oat milk and almond milk honestly pretty similar they're kind of just i always say they're kind of just like almond tasting water like (laughs) there's not much to them there's no there's no real nutritional benefit to um almond milk it's kind of just like flavored water and then if you're getting the stuff where it's like it's been sweetened and everything. Yep. Now you're getting even extra sugars in there as well. So yep. I think almond milk's a bit of just like a nothing, a yep. nothing type of thing. And what about oat milk as well? Pretty similar, to be honest. Like, yeah, just an oat version. Like, it's not too bad. Like, I, I don't know. I guess you're not going to be getting any nutrition. Like you said, you're not getting any protein from them or anything like that. So you need to be getting it from somewhere else if it's replacing cow's milk. Um, so the main tip that I would give if you're choosing a plant-based milk would be to double check that it's been fortified with calcium. That's super important because if you're not having dairy, it's going to be hard to reach your calcium requirements. So all you need to do is just check, yeah, the ingredients list on the back of the bottle. It should say, you know, calcium carbonate or whatever in the ingredients list. And that's how you know. Um, But honestly, plant-based milk, like one of the best ones that I would recommend would probably be soy milk because it's honestly pretty similar in terms of protein to dairy milk. And to most of them, if you've got one that's been fortified with calcium as well, then it's a pretty good choice. There you go. You heard it here first, (laughs) folks. Dairy milk is back on the market. Take your oat lattes and beat it. All right. Um, Also, another one uh, as well, gluten. I feel Mm. like it's always dairy and gluten. Mm -hmm. It's always, oh, it's dairy and gluten-free. I'm like, oh, okay, what does that actually mean? So um, is gluten bad for you, inherently bad for you? What's going on? Why is everyone kind of thinking that? Definitely not. (laughs) Um, Look, dairy, uh, gluten, sorry, is just like the protein. It's a protein that's found in like, you know, your wheat and a few of your other grains like that. Um, Some people, obviously, you know, people with celiac disease or like gluten sensitivity, intolerances might be sensitive to gluten. Um, Also, people possibly with, um, you know, IBS might be sensitive to gluten or possibly, you know, another um, aspect of the wheat. So for some people, avoiding gluten is um, beneficial. It's definitely, if you don't have any of those things, then it's not bad for you. Like, and honestly, some of the the gluten-free foods tend to be way more processed because gluten is actually the thing that kind of forms like the structure when you're baking. So like it forms like the structure to bread and cakes and things that allows them to rise. So if you're taking, you're processing it to take the gluten out, it's going to be really flat and dense and yuck. So they need to like process it to try and make it edible. So your gluten-free foods tend to be way more processed lower in fiber. So honestly, if you th- if it's from a health point of view, your normal gluten-free foods, uh, like normal gluten-containing foods, sorry, are going to be way better for you. All right. So avoid your gluten-free breads. That's just full of crap. Yes. Process unless you crap. need them. If you need them, it's okay. But yeah, if you don't, you're way better off just having normal bread. All right. Two fallacies crushed. Uh, also <laughs> t- touching on kind of like those sensitivities, because dairy and gluten is one that's always come up. And that's usually mm. people are, if they're sensitive to foods, is it particularly around the dairy and the gluten? Um, I guess like there's a lot of people do tend to be maybe lactose intolerant just because it is like a, I don't know, you can be sort of missing that lactase enzyme, which can lead you to yeah not process lactose super well. So yeah. that can be quite a common one with, with gluten. I don't know. It can be, it can be like a fairly common one as well. It can also be sort of underlying, um, something like, yeah, celiac disease, um, or even irritable bowel syndrome. There's definitely something um, you might have heard of, like a FODMAPS diet, like a low FODMAPS diet. So lactose and also um, the fiber that's in wheat are both FODMAPS. So people who might have IBS might be particularly sensitive to those two things as well, along with other fruits and vegetables as well. And how do I know if I am probably, um, you know, intolerant to these foods? What should 
what are probably like some symptoms that I might be getting? Um, possibly like mostly gastrointestinal symptoms. So any kind of like bloating, um, pain, constipation, diarrhea, anything like that. Um, especially if it sort of seems to be like pinpointing after you're eating certain foods, um, would be like the main symptoms. Um, yeah. So would you recommend like people kind of keep a bit of a food diary and then kind of log when they're feeling like bloated and then kind of retract kind of what foods may be doing that to them because it's not necessarily yeah. a normal thing to be bloated yeah no well. yeah and especially like you know on christmas day except for christmas day <laughs> we bloated on christmas day outside of that maybe don't do it yeah like i feel like i don't know like people can be quite scared of bloating though but i don't think it's necessarily like such a bad thing like it can be a fairly normal reaction to foods especially if you're eating like a high fiber food tends to travel down to our gut fairly undigested and get fermented by our gut bacteria there. So that fermentation process does produce gas, which might make you a bit bloated. And like, you know, it's not necessarily the worst thing. Like it's just your body responding to the food. But I guess if it's like, if it's a problem for you, if it's happening like quite severely causing you to feel pain and like discomfort and maybe happening like often, then that might be a bit of an issue. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Keeping like a food and symptom diary is a really good way to go. Like just writing down what you eat and your symptoms that day. Um, because I think it can be hard to think back and be like, oh, I feel bloated, but like, what did I even eat yesterday? Like, Whereas if you've got that written down, you can be like, okay, today I've noticed, you know, my pain's an eight out of 10 and I felt bloated and, you know, I might, you know, had a bit of diarrhea and I can look back yesterday and see I had this food. Oh, hang on. Let me flick back to last week. The same, same thing, thing happened. Yeah. Like, so it can definitely help and it can help. Then you can work with a dietitian as well. And we're pretty good at like, you know, noticing certain foods that are red flags for us. Yeah, and I think this is so important for someone like yourself to be kind of talking about this because there is so much misinformation from these unqualified heads that <laughs> come out and talk about like, oh, no, you should avoid like all these because it does all these type of things. And it's just like, first of all, what are your qualifications to even be talking about that in the first place other than the fact maybe you saw someone on Joe Rogan potentially talk about it or whatever bloody weird podcast that you're listening to, <laughs> which then leads to people who are on like these, um, I think the new fad at the moment for all kind of like the... <laughs> you know, the conspiracy theorists and stuff like that is the carnivore diet. I also see people who are like on the carnivore diet running around um, yelling out about like, you know, sunscreen gives you cancer and oh, all that gosh. type of stuff. And they're yes. out in the sun. I don't, need, I don't need any processed crap, so I don't need to wear sunscreen. <laughs> Heard that before, seen that on Instagram. But anyways, yeah, the carnivore diet. Mm. What, are your, what is your take on that one? Oh, I hate that one. <laughs> uh, look, I don't know why people are so scared of plants. Um... I'd hate to see what their like gut health would look like and, you know, um, risk of bowel cancer and that kind of thing in the future. I guess like, you know, there's plenty of evidence to say that eating a certain amount of fiber and a certain amount of, you know, plant-based foods every day is beneficial for your health, um, in terms of your gut health directly. Um, but also, and like, you know, minimizing like colon cancer, things like that. And then also, um, your cardiovascular health, um, you know, your risk of diabetes, all those things. So there's definitely no, I would say there's no benefits to cutting out plants out of your diet. They're definitely an important part of your, your diet. Plenty of colors on there as well. Minimum of five. Yeah, absolutely. They actually say for, for good, diverse gut health, because I guess different colors, like different colored of plants give different vitamins and minerals. They also give different, you know, strands of fiber and those different types of fiber are going to be feeding different bacteria in your gut. So the more like diverse your like plant foods are in your diet, the more diverse your gut bacteria becomes, which is beneficial for your health. So they actually say that aiming for about 30 different plant foods a week oh is good for your gut health. <laughs> so if you're the type of person that maybe has broccoli, carrot and zucchini every night, then maybe try and mix it up a bit. <laughs> well, I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking notes right now. I'm usually just strictly capsicum, broccoli, um, carrot, mushrooms, and I do those little corn spears as well. Oh, yum. Not so I'm bad. doing, but I'm doing that on the regular all the time. So I probably should start to switch yeah, it up. mix it up. Got to mix it up. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not a good enough cook. <laughs> it's one of these banana bread recipes. I to tune in. You got to let me know next time you're yeah, on. Yeah, I actually will. In. You can come along. Chuck, yeah, I'll come along. You'll be like celebrity chef or something like yeah. that. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, um, what about um, moving on to kind of like supplements and stuff now? Uh, what probably do you think that, what supplements do you think most people should be having? Obviously I know it's going to be dependent on the individual, mm -hmm. but just kind of, let's just take everything and, um, everything being equal. 
mm-hmm. what supplements probably should people be taking and which supplements do you believe get are like way overhyped? Hmm. Okay. I think honestly, if you're having a good diet, you probably don't need supplements. You're probably getting enough through your food and it's probably, it's better to get it through the food because like, you know, if you're food, food comes, food doesn't come as a vitamin, right? You can't just like eat vitamin C, like food comes in the whole food matrix. So a good example, like example I really like to use is when you pick up an orange high in vitamin C and the white stuff on the outside of the orange actually helps your body absorb the vitamin C. Mm. So like, that's a really cool example of how like food is actually perfectly designed for us to be able to digest and absorb and, you know, use it and be healthy. So there are some vitamins like and supplements that like, you know, a lot of people probably could benefit from. I think if you're working as like inside in an office job or a desk job, you maybe don't get much sun, then vitamin D is probably a good supplement um, to take. Um, I think as well, especially as we get older, especially women, as we get older, possibly not having enough calcium than having a calcium supplement is probably a pretty good one as well. Um, what about iron as yeah. well? I feel like, if, especially for women, I know my mum kind of had like an iron deficiency. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just common amongst a lot of women as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was just about to say, I think iron is another one. I know, like, honestly, myself, and I'm a dietitian and I do everything I can yeah. through my food to help my iron, but I tend to go get a blood test. And my iron's generally always low. So I take iron supplements sort of not as regularly as I should, but I try to take them somewhat regularly. So that's another one, especially if, um, you maybe do have higher losses through like, you know, heavy, heavy periods and things like that if you're um, female and also, um, you know, athletes like there's actually when especially like runners through like that foot strike and your foot hitting the pavement with every footstep actually can cause like destruction of your red blood cells. Wow. So, yeah. So like their iron losses can be higher as well. So, yeah, definitely worth and it's definitely worth, I think, like. For everyone, just getting a blood test, checking in with all these things every six months or so and just seeing where you're at and seeing if there's anything that needs a bit of topping up. Yeah, so you do recommend that people go and get blood tests for themselves every six months because a lot of the time when you do go to the doctors, they're very kind of like, why do you why you look mm. like a young, healthy individual? Yeah. Why do you want to get a blood test? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I think it's good. Maybe it's every six months might be a bit of overkill, but like I every year is probably so. okay. I but mean, I'm very much in that camp where I yeah. like to go out and see what's going on and if yeah. I'm deficient in anything because you never know and fire out they might pick up something else that you don't know at the time yeah exactly and you would never know yeah no yeah um i think doctors can be like you know well they're very busy right and they don't want to be doing like sometimes they don't want to just be doing things for don't no want to reason. be doing their job <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um yeah no i think they can definitely be on the side of like oh well if you're not actually sick then like why like rather than thinking of things more like a preventative health kind mm. of side but yeah i think it's good to know what's going on in your body yeah, awesome. And probably touching on that iron thing again, what would you say are some high food, uh, some foods that are high in iron that people mm-hmm. could uh, lean towards? Yeah, I mean, definitely like your meats, particularly your red meat, is going to be high in iron. So having that like a few times a week is a good um, a good way to try and maximize your iron. Yeah, and what um, about people who don't probably mm, eat red meat as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely some vegetables can be um, good for iron. So things like chickpeas, um, oats dried apricots, um, some spinach. But the most important thing with your plant-based sources of iron is that our body isn't quite as good good at absorbing that. So we've got two types of iron. We've got heme iron and non-heme iron. So your heme iron is what you get from meat. That is pretty much ready for your body to absorb straight away. Your non-heme iron needs to be converted to heme first, um, throwing back to like chemistry if you ever did it um so it needs to be converted first before we can um absorb that so something that really helps with that conversion process is your vitamin c so having a little bit of vitamin c along with your plant-based iron can actually um, maximize the absorption of that so um a good example is putting a little bit of lemon juice on your salad with spinach in it it's a good example of combining those two things together Interesting. Tastes good too. And yeah. probably those people as well, if you're not eating red meat, would something like a supplement be a good addition to someone along those lines? Especially Possibly. for like those vegans out there as well. Yeah. I would say probably definitely. Vegetarians. Um, yeah. I would say, I would say, first of all, we'll try to maximize everything through diet where we can, through food. Um, check in with your iron levels and see where they're at. If they're low and you're really struggling, then we'll chuck a supplement in there. Awesome. All right. Last one, mm-hmm. we won't prod your brain anymore. And if you do want to get in touch with Nicola, because it's been eye-opening for me, I think I'm going to be in touch with you by the end of this. Um, uh, 
we white rice versus brown rice versus black rice. I think white rice is another one out there that cops a lot of flack sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I don't even necessarily think it's that bad at all. Yeah, no, good question. Look, I think like any rice at the end of the day is going to be like the new, the nutrition you're going to get in terms of like carbohydrates, calories, energy, that kind of thing is going to be pretty similar across the board. So it's not like if you're choosing like brown rice versus white rice, it's going to be way lower in carbs or anything, which is often I think something people worry about, um, possibly unnecessarily. Um, But yeah, the main difference is going to be like, I guess with the brown rice, it's got that sort of outer shell, which contains fiber. When you're processing it to white rice, you're you're removing that. So you're going to be reducing the fiber a bit. Um, At the end of the day, it's really not that big of a difference. It's like a few grams of fiber. Um, which you can definitely get somewhere else. Like you could have half a plate of veggies and you're going to be getting plenty of fiber from that. So obviously in an ideal world, brown rice is the best option or black rice because they're both less processed, higher in fiber than your white rice. But if you enjoy white rice, then go ahead and eat it. (laughs) Go nuts. Yeah. And I've also heard that kind of like your brown rices, they don't digest in in your body or they don't digest in your stomach as well. Is that true or am I... Yes. So yeah. So your brown rice is a form of insoluble fiber. So any of your like grain foods contain what we call insoluble fiber. So you've got two main types of fiber, insoluble and soluble. Your insoluble fiber is, it kind of, it adds bulk to the stool essentially kind of acts like a bit of a pipe cleaner through your gut and just kind of pushes everything along. So it doesn't really get digested or absorbed, but that's kind of its job. It helps to keep everything moving well. Um, your soluble fiber is more in like the, the flesh of your fruits and vegetables and things like that, that absorbs water. So that helps to sort of soften your stool and keeps everything healthy that way. So they're both important. So you're right in that it doesn't get digested, but that's kind of the point. Honestly, (laughs) I reckon this is one of the better podcasts that we've ever done. (laughs) This one here. Um, Look, I got no more questions for you today anyway. Probably got some more coming up. Honestly, thank you so much for coming um, and doing this today because I think this is going to be a really helpful one for a lot of people out there. And these are some of the questions that everyone was asking. So I hope um, you guys listening have gotten a heap of uh, benefit from Nicola today. Nicola, you can find her. She's our new dietitian who's been with us for the last month, Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, She's got a heap of knowledge and a heap of insight in this area. and uh, everyone in our team is somewhat working with her in one way or another now. Um, so if you do want to reach out and you do want to work with Nicola, um, you can find her through the Performax uh, website. Otherwise, you can reach her on her so- socials and everything, and I'll put yep. them all in the description um, below. Otherwise, if you want to give yourself a plug right now. Yeah, so um, yeah, my main way to contact me would be through Instagram. So it's Nicola underscore nutrition uh, is my handle. So yeah. Awesome. All right, well, find her online. If not, just go on the Performax page and you should be able to find her in there or contact us or whatever in some way. And we'll put you in touch with her as well. But honestly, Nicola, Nicola been a pleasure um, sitting here talking with you. Um, Jared, not so much, <laughs> he mate. Bailed. <laughs> he, he bailed. He bailed um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Peace. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. Anytime.